What's going on, good people? It's Robert E. Holly and Andre Irving, and this is the Rob and Dre Talk Stuff, talking stuff all the time, stuff, stuff all day podcast. <laughs> so uh, we're just coming off the heels of New York City Comic Con 2019, and we haven't missed one. So we've been to every New York City Comic Con. What year is this for them? This is their. This was their 14th year. Going to 14. 15 next year. 15 year anniversary coming up in 2020. Jeez. All right. So next year is going to be a big one. So uh, it's at the Javits Center every year, and um, yo, it's it's changed from like the first one to this one <laughs> considerably. Yeah, it's been growing and growing and growing, and it, and then like with the last couple of years, it has. Sh- Slightly shrunk a little bit because they are currently renovating the Javits Center and expanding it. So once that is done, it'll get even bigger. But it's been, it's been a good ride over the last decade plus. Where and I know like even when it when it first started, I guess it was only. I mean, if you've been to the Javits Center before, it was only one of or maybe two of the big rooms, and now it's the well, and it's years before these last three years. It was the entire Javits Center. Areas of the Javits Center that I had never seen before. <laughs> yes. Every level, nook, and cranny gets utilized for this thing. Right. And so even where they used to have the artist alley, when they used to have them way back there. You where have to we, go through the hallway and then down into the like the, like the north the northern wing of the Javits Center, which is now currently closed off because that's where the um, new construction is. But you just used to have to walk. Uh, past where they what they call the Q Hall, right? For those that haven't been to the Javits before, and then there's like this little hallway, which sometimes one year they had um, progressive. Uh, yeah, a few years. Yeah, they came through and then they set like free lockers for you to put your stuff, which was super cool. Thank you, Progressive, for right for your uh, wonderful magical unicorns and your <laughs> unicorn sponsored lockers, and then you would continue on and then go into Artist Alley, which was even huge. Yeah, in, in itself, and it was it was. It was dope because it's always a whole bunch of camaraderie between all the artists and you get to meet a lot of cool artists. But it was whack at those times because it was just so far away from everything else for one. Um, But like, yeah, that long corridor, they would try to have different things or you could charge your phones and they had the lockers. But like that particular area back there was wasn't that really like a parking lot? Um, I know I don't know what they use it for throughout the rest of the year. I know one year for the New York Auto Show, they actually set up um uh, an obstacle course for Jeep Wranglers and Jeeps lineups of vehicles. They had like a dirt course with uh back then hills and yeah. They, <laughs> so I don't know what they'd use it for the for the majority of the year, but the, that's the only time I've other time I've seen it uh, utilized. Got yeah. you. That's wild. But now that's all closed down and they're big enough building a whole big area and uh but in the last at least three maybe four years like once once the walking dead really came and made its mark that one year uh they had a big premiere at the um the hulu theater at the, msg right madison square garden i think they that year they did the entire garden um that one year where they did the big premiere there but ever since they've been doing like other things there and you know just comic-con is what it is and it's starting to branch out to the rest of the city so this year they had like the hammerstein ballroom they had stuff they had the new york public library they had events there and a whole bunch of stuff outside of the javits center 
Yeah, some um some bars and things have also been getting in on like after parties, like officially sponsored after parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two years, one of our favorite things here in New York is uh, Spoons, Tunes, and Booze. Yes, they've had New York Comic Con themed um, boozy brunches with uh, cartoons and movie theater. Right. Yeah. So for those interested, swinging through New York, or for my New Yorkers that are there, that's a totally awesome thing to check out. Yeah. So Spoon Tunes and Booze, they are uh, rent out. A screen, I think twice one weekend. I think it's once on Saturday, once on Sunday, right? Yeah, one weekend a month. Right, and they they uh, screen old school. You can vote as a group, but they screen old school uh, Saturday morning cartoons. They have cereal available. It's really fun. We usually go. Yep, drink, watch cartoons, make noise. Right, liquor infused. Uh, well, not infused, but liquor cocktails and stuff based on like uh, different cartoons and cereals and this, that, and the third. So it's really fun. That's at the Nighthawk Theater in Williamsburg. In Williamsburg. So, yeah. yeah. So like something way out in Williamsburg has linked up with our annual hometown New York Comic Con and have had, have had Spoonie Boozy Comic con right. themed event. So, so let's get to Comic Con. So a big thing about just all of comic book fantasy pop culture conventions across the board are the costume. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so uh Comic Con usually go New York Comic Con goes from Thursday to Sunday. And Dre has coined the term for Thursdays. Yeah, budget costume Thursdays. <laughs> budget costume Thursdays where I mean you still sometimes see some great costumes on Thursdays. Yeah, but there's levels to this shit. Yeah, there's levels. There's definitely <laughs> definitely levels to this shit. Um and by Saturday, Saturday is when like yo, <laughs> Saturday is when the people who you know have been toiling away for months on every intricacy of their Costumes, they come out, they come out to play, they come out to stunt and show out. Yep, hit every single pose that they've practiced in their home in front of the mirror. Whatever whatever they did, they they came ready. Right. So uh so what's your what's a standout budget Thursday <laughs> costume <laughs> that you've seen in the past <laughs> or this weekend? Well, right now, if you're thinking of what we mean by budget Thursday, anything they can get at Party City. <laughs> right, 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 right. I think you get at Party City, your, your back is hanging out, and you can see your mom's T-shirt under it. It, it, ain't, it ain't flowing, man. It's like sometimes people ask ask me all the time, like, uh, well, not sometimes, but usually, at least I get this question often when they hear I'm going to Comic Con or that I went is, oh, did you what you dress up as? Did you dress up? I'm like, no, I did not. <laughs> right, I a nice T-shirt. He's like, why not? I was like, you don't dress up for Comic Con unless you mean it. Right, right, right. And like the most I think you've done is you got a what is it fin hat? Yeah, I do have a fin hat uh, from Adventure <laughs> Time. I got my my fin hat with a little nubby white ears on it. Right, but that's about it. That's where the buck stops. That and I, you know, we might wear comic related shirts, but that's about it. Something, some, some crafty on the shirt. But other than that, yeah, I can't, I can't do the costume things. My daughter did though. Talisa did this year. I feel like last year they did. No, she didn't do it last year. The year before. She, she, had a, she had a funky hat last year. Right, she had a funky hat last year. This year, she she dressed up as an anime character. I have no clue <laughs> who it was. <laughs> but she had a blast. Um, and normally, father of the year right here, I let her skip school on Friday. So she comes Friday and Sunday. Ooh. I know. 
Sunday is uh, what is it? It's the, the the family day. Yes. So Sunday, I usually bring her, her homegirl, my my godson, and we have a good time. We run around and get crazy. So also the budget Thursday thing, though, I would say because you said party city, right? Yeah, I would say city. that's like the that's too much standard, right? That's too much. Oh, like budget Thursday is when you see the Dollar General. Right. <laughs> Goodwill, never mind Dollar General. <laughs> that's like the Goodwill. Um, that's Goodwill compared to Saturday being what Sex Fifth Avenue, Barney's <laughs> of costumes. I think uh, I can't think of one of the craziest Budget Thursday costumes I've seen, but definitely what stands comes out, and we always yeah. bring this up. Well, last year they had um, one guy dressed as Thanos. And he all he had on was a, a, a it was a purple tank top with the sleeves off, <laughs> and he took what looked like um, some powdery water based paint yes. and smeared it all over himself. Yes, I like, remember <laughs> You could see like the finger streaks <laughs> when he rubbed it onto his body, <laughs> and, he, and he was struggling with that. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was killing it. Right. 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 That's budget Thursday. Yes. Definitely. I do remember that too. But like, and I think our, the one that we always go to when we're talking to people about Comic Con and trying to uh, let you know how gangster the costumes are, and I usually have to bring it up on YouTube, is that, yeah, old boy was the Hulkbuster. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My man was like true to life Hulkbuster standing at least eight feet, if not higher. Uh, I think it was nine feet. Nine if anyone feet. wants to kind of see it for themselves, there is actually, if you uh, punch into YouTube, NYCC Hulkbuster, he'll pop right up. He'll pop right up. And I mean, my man did it. And we, at one point in time, because Dre and I are ignorant. We saw him taking a break. Yes, behind the escalator. Because <laughs> that's what, that's another thing about Comic Con, like because it's it's so intense. If you're anything like how Dre and I are or were, how I was, we used to get there eight o'clock in the morning, the latest, just to stand online and get into uh, panels that we were interested in. So you're there. You have people there all day long. And my man was there stunting for the photo ops and everything. And so he was tired. And you see a lot of that around Comic-Con where any wall where there's room to just sit down, take a break and take a nap. Yep. You might see SpongeBob just laid out, <laughs> linked up against the wall. Yeah, we had a, we, we spotted Indiana Jones this year. Yes. Between two escalators. Yeah. Sweaty and exhausted. <laughs> His shirt was open. Yo, his shovels. shirt was open. His belly was hanging out. My man, <laughs> my man did not care. He just needed a break. <laughs> Took his hat, signed, yep. <laughs> and could not care less who was passing him, who had to step over him or anything. That's another unspoken part of Comic Con. So, anyway, that year, Hulkbuster, like my man was in, he wasn't in a leotard, but it wasn't a leotard. It was like a black onesie that he was wearing. Yeah, under it. And my man had to, he had to chill for a bit. So he had the leg. What was funny, he had these big ass Hulkbuster legs on. And if you've looked at YouTube yet, you'll see what I'm talking about. But the whole torso came off. So that's laid next to him. He's kind of linked against it. Just uh, like rehydrating or something. Because it was hot. He was hot. He was sweaty. And... (laughs) 
it was just yeah and I think it was Friday we saw him take that break right mm-hmm. so that that means he put that stuff right back on and came back Saturday right because people here are dedicated right and I can't remember I always say this I feel like you always correct me but did he win that year or did he come in second place I think he won I don't remember it was like it was like 2015 that happened yeah it was right after the second Avengers movie but yeah, because I don't know. I guess somebody had told me he came in second place. And that just once you again, once you look and see this Hulkbuster and maybe on the on the site, I'll, I'll post a picture of it um, and I'll post one of the videos for this dude to come in. If he did come in second, that tells you just the dedication. Yeah, <laughs> the dedication for real. So, yeah. So Comic-Con, I mean, you see you see all sorts of stuff. But the other part of Comic-Con that we get excited about are the panels. The panels are, you know, a lot of industry stuff, a lot of sneak peeks. Uh, It's just like San Diego with San Diego. You do get get a lot of like movie sneak peeks. You don't really see that much, at least not from the big guys like Marvel and DC. Yeah, you get like a you get some movies here Mm -hmm. in New York, but like most of the like the um, breaking Comic-Con movie stories usually happen at SDCC. Right. A little bit jealous, but that's okay. Right. I mean, one year, and this is, I'm not even going to explain how the the line system works now uh, compared to how it was last year. I'm not last year, but years ago. But one year, let's put it this way. We sat in a room from like 10 in the morning to 6 p.m. watching a whole bunch of stuff we didn't care about, falling asleep. Uh, just to be able to see some sneak peeks of the Hulk. Yeah. And it was worth it. Yes. <laughs> like, it was worth it. If you saw the Edward Norton's Hulk, uh, the whole scene when they're at, was it Harvard or Yale? Uh, I forget which college it was, but I remember the scene in there. They're fighting on the um, walkway. On the walkway. There's like a bridged walkway. Yeah. And uh, he jumps Tim, out. Tim Ross, Tim Ross uh, Blonsky is a uh, there, he's, I think this is like right after he first got his first dosage of yeah of uh, gamma juice, super right, super serum or whatever. And so yeah, they're fighting and whatnot. We we got to see that. And this was like a good like six months before the movie came out. Yeah, and was that the one where I yelled again and they played it again? No, that was Wally where you screamed again. Okay, so I mean, one year because again, <laughs> <laughs> we tend <laughs> we tend to make ourselves known, Dre and I, and uh, we yell stuff like. Like true fans do. And uh, yeah, so I yelled again, play it again. And then got everybody else kind of joined in screaming again. And they played it again. So that was Wally. I thought it was that year. But um, but yeah, so that was the Wally year. But we, like I said, we've been going so many years that one year goes into the other. But um, we had a few we had a few interesting ones this year that we hit. Uh, it's the anniversary. Is it 25 or? It was the 25th anniversary of Batman Beyond? The 20th. The 20th. The 20th anniversary of a little cartoon known as Batman Beyond. Uh, Which is all bags of awesome. Yeah. uh, For those that may want to backtrack and check it out. Uh, If you're not familiar with the Batman Beyond um, universe, it's basically uh, somewhat in the future. And Mr. Bruce Wayne has gotten kind of old. Weathered. Wold and weathered and tired, and he's basically a recluse in Wayne Manor with his dog Ace. Hashtag Ace the Bat Hound. Ha <laughs> um, And he basically has a teenager by the name of Terry McGinnis pick up the mantle of Batman. 
So you have the futuristic Batman and he has some modifications done to his suit. He can fly now. Uh, his strength is enhanced. Uh, the Batmobile flies. Um, so, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It was on yeah. Kids WB back Kids in the day. WB. And the cartoon was relatively dark as hell. Yeah, and it was <laughs> awesome. So they had the um, they had the cast there. Batman was played by Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis. Yes, Terry McGinnis was played by Will Friddle from Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World, the older brother yes. um, on Boy Meets World. Kevin Conroy plays play Batman again. Well, played legend. Bruce Wayne. Yes, legend. legendary Kevin Conroy, who's played Batman since the forever, and he played um Batman in the animated version and all of that. Um, so that was cool. Uh, who else was on? Some executives, some writers. Uh, James Tucker, who's now uh, producing a lot of the DC animated films now. Uh, he was he actually was an animator and a director for Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. And we have also on the panel was the legendary Andrea Romano. Legendary. The legendary Andrea Romano. And Dre is a massive fan yes. of Andrea Romano. I am too, but Dre is really into it. Um so he can give you a background on who she is and why she's so gangster. Uh Andrea Romano is the voice director and oftentimes the voice caster for a lot of your favorite cartoons and mine. All right. So if you want to really start paying attention then you see her name pop up, anything from SpongeBob. I know a lot of you like SpongeBob voice directed that tiny Boom, tunes, boondocks, animaniacs. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do boondocks? Yeah. Yeah. Animaniacs, uh, Batman Beyond, of course. Yep. Uh, Batman the Animated the Series. No Batman, yeah. Voltron, the Voltron. latest Voltron that was on Netflix. Which was super awesome. Yeah, and she came out of retirement to do that one, right? Because didn't she retire and then... I think she retired after that. I'm not, after. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. She's like, yeah, she's like semi-retired. She'll pop up now and then and do a project here and there and then go back to her living her life. Right. But she is like the, pretty much the... The gold standard of uh, voice acting yeah. directors and coaches. Yeah, if you ever catch like a panel with her and like some of the people that she's worked with, everyone has like the most high accolades in regards to working with her, utmost professional. And even when you hear her speak, it's like, yo, that's word. This, this is a lady that knows her shit. Word. Yeah. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Word. She has eight Emmys for a reason. <laughs> right. And so um, not that panel. Uh, that panel was cool. It was just cool to, you know, hear them reminisce of behind the scenes stories, just how great it was. Um, and yeah, it was just dope. It was dope. And it was really dope to see Kevin Conroy and uh, Will. What's his name? Will, Will Friddle. Will Friddle. Uh, their camaraderie. Yeah, uh, that, was, that actually I, that I was not aware of, like how. Like they have, they seem like they have like a really awesome working relationship, and they kind of like probably would have had um, an awesome time in the booth, which they said they did. So yeah, yeah. And, and Andrea Romano is good for uh, one thing that's different uh, with her style than a lot of animated uh, things are. She likes to have everybody in the room together, so they're really acting off of each other and working with each yeah. other. Where you know when you get into the bigger blockbuster. Uh, animated stuff where you got so many big stars, they're usually not together. Uh, so they're not acting off of each other. So their their camaraderie was really cool. And, uh, you know, up until then, he hadn't done any voice acting. Uh, but again, he was known as, dang, I can't remember, Sean Matthews was no, or was Sean the best friend on Boy Meets World. 
Sean was the best friend. Sean was the best friend. Uh, but Corey's older brother. Uh, he was Eric. 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 Eric Matthews on. Uh, yes, Mr. Matthews. Uh, Eric Matthews on Boy Meets World. So that was all he had done uh, up until then. So uh, once he got into the booth, you know, he's working with, again, Kevin Conroy, who's an OG by then. Uh, he really took him under his wing. And you could just see the camaraderie and the respect they both had for each other. So it was really cool. It was really dope. Uh, next up, we went to the Castlevania panel, which was also awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mostly because of um, all the screaming we were doing. <laughs> yes, we did a lot of screaming during that one. Uh, in particular, and I'll post a picture of it. I, I posted it uh, a few days ago, <laughs> but I posted again. I kept yelling that I wanted one of the the director's hats. Samuel Dietz. Samuel Dietz hat. And so, Samuel, if you hear this, I still want that hat. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, I posted I posted it a couple of times. He you saw him mouth like what? 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 Right? What? what? What's these kids yelling? <laughs> so I posted on Twitter like, yo, my man, you know, I kept yelling, I want that hat, but it went ignored to where he responded uh to my tweet. Uh is that what you were saying? I kept hearing someone yell something, but I couldn't quite make it out. I'm sorry. It is a very good hat, though. Thank you. So <laughs> it's always good to have your ignorance acknowledged <laughs> at the Comic Con. Random yelling person at the convention with a couple thousand people in the room. Right. I hear you. Right. Of. The fact that you kind of was able to single me out was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and so I felt uh, included. <laughs> right, 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 right. So Castlevania was dope. Again, uh, if you haven't checked it, Check it out. It's on Netflix. It's only the first season was only four episodes. Six, I think. No, the first season was was it six? The first season I think was six. Oh, six. Okay, six. And uh, the second season was then the second season was eight. No, the first season was four episodes, and the second season was like either six or eight episodes. Yes, yeah, we written by uh, Mr. Warren Ellis, who's also present at the panel. Talk about some of his. Uh his background and his approach to writing for Castlevania. Yes. And he actually thanked all of you wonderful fans and nerds out there for helping him out because he doesn't play video games. So jumping on the Google and going on the forums, that's basically how he did his, he said he, that's basically how he said he did his research. So he thanked all of you and your fan pages throughout the years. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So I just checked. So, yeah. So it's, Four episodes in the first season and eight episodes in the second season. It's only 12 episodes. What's that? Six hours. You guys binge way more than that in one season of a show. It's a really, really cool show. Um, One thing that you hear a lot of the critics talk about with uh, Castlevania in particular is uh, the way they use the character of Dracula, where like in the first episode, they really flesh him out to a point where you actually understand where he's coming from, his side of the story, and you feel for him. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you kind of feel bad. Like it's like it's like a like Dracula's end is basically a heartbroken, uh, tragic love story. Right, and he's taking it out on civilization, and you kind of you kind of feel him. And then the second season, they also add some more tragic characters like that, who is like fan favorites too who become fan favorites because it's like yo I I get it you know you're angry so for that to be I mean you know 
you don't really see that in a lot of American animation. That's definitely, you know, why the anime scene is hard body because they actually delve into a lot of subject matter that you don't really see in American stuff. So I would definitely say check it out. Yeah. Uh, also on the panel was shoot. We need to. I need to look up these names before I start talking. Uh, is it Glenn McTavish? The guy who plays uh, Graham. It's Graham. Graham McTavish. McTavish. Ah, I was almost there. Graham McTavish uh, plays the voice of Dracula. And if you watch um, Preacher, which just ended, um, Preacher on AMC, he was the guy who played the Saint of Killers. Uh, the dude with the, the cowboy, pretty much, with the big-ass gun who was killing angels and all sorts of people with that big-ass gun. Um, he plays the voice of Dracula. And... You need some gravitas to that voice. Right. Very much so. So it was it was it was a cool panel. Um, and um, I, w- I will say that even though even if you have not played the Castlevania games, like I've like dabbled, I haven't really played anyone from beginning to end. Um, you can still follow. So don't be worried like, oh, you know, it's a video game TV show. Like, don't even approach it like that. It's a very, very well written show. Well directed. Uh, the, ca- the characters are really um, well developed. Uh, especially my favorite Godbrand who doesn't show up to like the second season that's like my favorite vampire in the series <laughs> okay he's just a jackass <laughs> <laughs> right because jackass things but yeah so definitely check out Castlevania the, um, and we got a sneak a really sneak sneak peek of the uh, next season but what, did we watch the trailer for the next season yes well, it was, it was they, they, called, they called it a trailer but it's more like a scene yeah, it's like yeah, you know, it's a trailer for the next season of Castlevania, and then they play like a a part of a scene, right? Amusing, and it got my girlfriend interested. She already binge watched like so. Comic Con ended. Uh, we were recording this a couple days after mm-hmm. she ran through the whole two seasons already. Yeah, so it's and, a really quick watch. Yeah, cool. So yeah, so uh, that and then um, and then we went to well, we're not doing this in order, but another one was on Star Talk. So Star Talk is that is Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast where he talks about pretty much anything. So not even just astrophysics. He has astrophysics um, topics, but he talks about science in general, um, nerd culture. He actually runs a gambit with that podcast. It's super, super interesting. And he usually has it. Uh, he's accompanied by Mr. Chuck Nice to add some comedian. Know, jokes and lightheartedness to the scenario and then then he'll often bring like one or two experts in whatever field that the topic is covering so so it's like say it's something engineering related so him being an astrophysicist he'll probably bring in an engineer to kind of fill in the spots that he's not necessarily familiar with and it's it's super super informative yeah it really is and so this year one of them because he actually does it was it three different podcasts they recorded that night or Three segments of the same podcast. There's three segments of the same podcast, oh, but same. each, each uh, it, it was breaking up into uh, like subtopics. Okay, so yeah. So one of the subtopics that I remember was uh, pretty much super, their pow- superpowers and could they actually happen in real life? Like he was talking about um, Mjolnir. Oh, when you're talking about the weight of Mjolnir? Yeah. And, which is Thor's hammer. Yeah, and he's talking about the... Uh, and he, he actually had has another clip on this uh, from a, from years back where he talks about how he figured out the way to Mjolnir because, you know, he tweets uh, fairly regularly. So, he, like, he figured out, you know, 
how much it would weigh since it was made in the heart of a dying star. She started talking about, you know, all the energy and the mass and condensing it into the size of Mjolnir and, and so on and so on and so on. And he basically had this whole breakdown right. of what Mjolnir could weigh. And then like elephants, right? yeah, Marvel basically chimed in. It's like, no, Mjolnir is about eight pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> like his whole thing was like 60 million elephants or something like that. Yeah. Like it will be so heavy that you can drop it. Oh, that's right. Earth and it'll go through the core and come out the other side. And because of gravity, it'll keep zigzagging and ricocheting <laughs> back and forth and making infinite holes into the planet till the planet just destroys. Right. It was all pretty well dramatic and nice. And the stuff that the nerds eat up. So yes. it was really cool. Um, I ate it up. It was tasty. Yes. And actually, I stayed awake the whole time. This time. Not that it's boring. Usually my, my thing is I go in, I definitely make it through the first part. If he does break it into threes every year and yell some ignorance and then I end up passing out. <laughs> this year I stayed awake. But uh, this year, so yeah, if you were in the building and you heard someone keep yelling, uh, that's what she said. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that that was I. Uh, that got a lot of groans, not a lot of not a lot of love. <laughs> I kept yelling about vibranium. Yes. Uh, one of the topics was and that's that's actually how they branched into the old Mirana talk. They were talking about uh, fictional metals in comics mm-hmm. and how it would function if it was actually on the periodic table. So they talk about the properties of Mjolnir, they spoke about the properties of, of vibranium. And another medal that I don't remember or call. Oh, Wonder Woman's bracelets. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So that was Star Talk. And then uh, we got to see, and this I was excited about, uh, the the world premiere, I guess, of the, or the, at least the exclusive premiere of the first episode of Watchmen. Yes, HBO's Watchmen. HBO's Watchmen. And so I'm going to let Dre get into a background of Watchmen, and then I'll get into who's behind it. Uh, so Watchmen is actually, as the graphic novel is actually considered like one of the best graphic novels in all of ever. <laughs> uh, it came out in the 80s, uh, published by DC, written by Mr. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Uh, Mr. Alan Moore does not want his name associated with any adaptations of his work, which is a whole nother long story. It's <laughs> a big, deep, long rabbit hole. Uh, but nonetheless, some, because because the comic book is, the, the arc of the comic is pretty layered and it's intriguing in the fact that it's a, one of the biggest themes is a, what's, what's moral? It plays on the morality. Mm-hmm. The morality of superheroes versus supervillains, uh, what's right and what's wrong, and what's okay and what's not. And so there's a lot of like moral ambiguity within the whole Watchmen arc. Very and much. it's it, that that actually played into the film by Zack Snyder, which I will say that's the last good movie Zack Snyder made. <laughs> Sorry, Zack Snyder, if you're listening. You're right. I'm just being honest. <laughs> um, but the, the film is actually pretty good, and it's actually what pulled me into the whole Watchmen book so actually after seeing the film I actually wanted, went back and read the graphic novel afterwards oh I thought you read the graphic novel before then no I, I actually the thing that actually really got my attention was the trailer where they have Dr. Manhattan uh, disassemble a tank with just by opening his hands and he crushes into a ball yes and he doesn't even actually physically touch it I was like that shit is cool I want to see that <laughs> <laughs> oh I definitely thought like you had been known about 
I've heard of it. I, I never, it, nothing ever, like it, it's, the cover of the Watchmen thing is it's kind of inconspicuous. And one of the, it is. the things that about it is just basically, and it's also it's one of its most iconic pieces of imagery, which is the smiley face. Right. Your basic standard yellow smiley face. And it's just like a little droplet of blood on yeah. it. Yeah. So um, it's funny. So Watchmen, because again, I always say Dre is the, the comic book one of the of the crew. Um, but I, I actually at one point had every issue and I believe they were the original issues of Watchmen. Knew nothing about it. Never looked at it. Um, I don't know where it is now. I think it's in storage. Um, and I didn't know it till years later that it was such a big deal. I can't even talk to the condition it's in, so I don't even know if it's worth <laughs> much money. Probably something. Um, but yes, I have those. Uh, a guy who used to work for my mom uh, was getting rid of his comics. It was like in the 90s, and he gave me a whole bunch of them. But anyway, so Watchmen, Dre, you kind of had a little trepidation about it beforehand, though, right? Um, the series? Yeah. Or, uh, I just didn't know what they were going to be doing with it. That, mm-hmm. That's that's what it was. So it was like, because it was it was the them trying to make a Watchmen movie was a long drawn out yeah deal. It was very for a long time. It was actually considered to be absolutely positively unfilmable uh, with the way it's set up. So even like with the film, and even, as much as I enjoyed it, some people still had their knocks on it. Like mm-hmm. they did change some things, and it, I don't the changes that they made weren't deal breakers for me. Even after I went back and read the story, so I don't know maybe. I'm also feeling slightly different because I did the movie first, then went to the book. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a possibility that's playing into this, but the way the series was coming by, I didn't understand. I wasn't sure they had, they're bringing the new characters that weren't in the series. Wasn't sure how things were going to play out. Yeah. There's a whole big giant question mark over it. And like Dre said, the original takes place in the eighties. What it was in 1985, 86. Yeah. The yeah. series actually came out in 86 and ran through 1987. Yeah, the, the actual story, um, the story takes place in 86, 85 to like 87 or something. Early to mid 80s. Yeah. Um, Nixon is on his fifth term. For those that are also, also <laughs> right. on Watchmen, it's like altered reality. So they have real world events and those real world events are slightly altered because of the presence of superheroes. Right. So in the case with Nixon uh, serving five terms, basically one of the characters, uh, Dr. Manhattan and... Another one, the comedian, they get involved with the Vietnam War and then they basically end the war in a matter of like days or something like that with their involvement. And through that, uh, Nixon basically does away with term limits and he gets he, he serves five <laughs> terms. And then who's running against him in the comic? Uh, eventually, President Robert Redford becomes right. Becomes Nixon president. Yes. Right. And so in the series, and we're not going to spoil a whole bunch. But in the in the series, in the background, Robert Redford is the president or he was the president near the end of the book. No, oh, so in the book. And so in the series, though, uh, in the HBO series, you mean? yeah, he's president. Or, yeah. Yeah. They mentioned that in HBO series. Yes. Yeah. And it, even um, they have like Easter eggs throughout it. So, yeah, definitely read Watchmen. You don't have to have the knowledge of the Watchmen background to watch the show, though. But um, there are some Easter eggs. One, again, because I, I haven't read Watchmen or if I did, it was years and years and years ago. Um, Like you see Robert Redford on a sign with old president. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, but so going back to who's producing the show. So Damon Lindelof mm-hmm. is the gentleman who's producing the show, uh, writer and, you know, pretty much the creator of the show. Uh, Damon Lindelof was also the person who created the show The Leftovers on HBO. Yes. Uh, excellent show. Very weird, very out there, but a really cool show. And his biggest claim to fame is being the co-creator of the television show Lost. Yes. So if you've ever followed me on any social media, <laughs> especially when Lost was out, I was what they call a Losty. To the to the extent that after Lost was done, I promised I would never get as involved with a fandom the way I did with Lost. I spent many hours on Lost fan sites, looking, talking to people about... Digging up clues. Digging up clues. Telling Dre about it. Right, telling Dre about it. And I'm like, oh. Right. And most television things Dre could give a shit about. So, you know, I know I was just talking into, what is it called? Bell Chamber or something, but whatever. But, uh, and it was funny enough, every episode I did get Dre to sit down and watch was one of the dumber episodes. So that never really helped me. But um, again, if you watch Lost, you know how deep uh, they got. But a big thing with Damon Lindelof is he loves to, his, his plots always have these deep mysteries that will keep you engrossed. Um, every season of Lost in particular ended with like some major cliffhanger. And by the end of the series, a lot of questions were left unanswered and it ended in a way that was like, okay. So you got a lot of people were pissed off at him. I kept yelling. If you're familiar with the show, I kept yelling a real obscure reference. Cause I wanted him to answer who was on the outrigger. So if you know anything about lost or if you don't just look it up, <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene where something happens. Some people are jumping through time. They're in the water they go to one timeline and people are shooting at them from some outrigger and then they zap into another timeline. And there was a promise that these these questions would be answered and they were never answered by the end of the show. So I kept randomly yelling that. But again, on deaf ears. Anyway, <laughs> so rant I over. <laughs> right, rant over, right. <laughs> Lost rant over. Um, also, Damon Lindelof has written some. Movie scripts that were kind of panned. Uh, what was that Aliens one? What was like the one where Michael Fassbender was in it? The Alien movie? Yeah. In Prometheus? Prometheus, yeah, yeah. That was like a prequel or something? Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people, he did some work on that. and But he also, I think, did some work on World War Z as well. But anyway, I think um, Lindelof's brand of storytelling is way suited for television, way more than it is for the big screen because he's real character driven and all of his characters are really compelling. Um, and the mythologies again, get really deep. What made me appreciate lost more post laws was the leftovers, which came on, um, HBO, which was just really dynamic, really cool. A brief synopsis of that show is pretty much, 3% of the globe of the people on the globe are 5%. Yeah. 5% of people. And if you think there's what billions of people on the globe, millions or billions on the planet. Yeah. Billions. Billions. Right. 
So 5% of just think 1 billion, that's a lot of people, uh, just vanished with no explanation. And the rest of the series is about how the rest of the world, the leftovers cope with that and the type of things that happen. You know, you got people who, you know, start losing religion. You got people who, you know, just getting the drugs and all sorts of crazy shit to cope. Debauchery. Debauchery, right. And so it's uh, it's a really good show. It's a real compelling show. Out the gate, though, he kind of lets you know that we will not be answering what made these people disappear. So deal with it. <laughs> but once now, now that you know that going into the show, you can watch the crazy bat shittery that happens and be okay with it. So, oh, and I've been meaning to text you all week about this one. So one funny storyline that's on the show is in the first season, um, they're talking about celebrities who got zapped away, right? And so uh, one of the celebrities who they find out his entire cast got zapped away except for him, but he was faking like he got zapped away because he just felt the way that the rest of the cast got Zapped away is old boy from Perfect Strangers, not Cousin Balky, the other one. Cousin Larry? Cousin Larry, right? So Cousin Larry, in the first season, it's a real offhand joke about, you know, oh, you know, we found him. He was fronting, da-da-da-da-da. So now he's a pariah because he tried to capitalize off of, you know, Mm -hmm. being zapped. Why does old boy show up as a character, though, for the next two seasons? Like, so he has a storyline. So it's real cool. Uh, Just real, like, obscure stuff like that. Uh, happens in the leftovers. I definitely that's a highly recommended show. Maybe top twenty television dramas ever. Anyway, he worked with Regina King in the second season. She popped up in the third season. She killed it, and so now she's starring in Watchmen. Yeah, she's playing Sister Knight in the new Watchmen series. Yes, yes, yeah, who's pretty awesome. I I was uh I was officially sold on Sister Knight when I saw that she drives a Grand National GNX. <laughs> That's the car, y'all. Yeah. She, she's a, but she's a badass. Yeah, she's not. Nah, she whoops all sorts of ass, acting her ass off because that's Regina King. So that's that's a given. Yeah. Um, and on the cast, the, the the cast, we got everybody from Louis Gossett Jr., <laughs> Jeremy Irons, yes, Gene uh, Smart from Designing Women, Don Johnson, Don Johnson, yeah, <laughs> Nash Bridges, eh? yeah. So the the cast is very, very it's really just a talented cast, yeah. Period. Yeah. And then like I said, I mean you've already heard me rant about Damon Lindelof's um writing and whatnot. Um and also back to my loss thing, it's not a rant, but <laughs> <laughs> but with loss, I, I think Lost is better appreciated, binged anyway. Because everybody who I've spoken to who has binged Lost. Uh, they they look at me like I'm crazy, but I do know that I have a camaraderie <laughs> with a whole bunch of other fans who watched it week to week, who slave not slave, but you know, was really like into it during the summer and all the other marketing and intricacies of the show. Um, but yeah, so go back and watch Lost, watch The Leftovers, two pretty awesome shows, especially character development wise. Uh, definitely watch Watchmen when it comes out. Another, this is a mild spoiler, but it's the first five minutes of the show. Dre and I spoke about it. The first five minutes of the show, should I talk about it? No, you can mention it. So the first five minutes of the show 
or the first time I've ever seen the Black Wall Street incident of Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. And if you're not familiar, please just pause this and Google Black Wall Street 1921, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was an incident that happened super racially fueled incident. There's a lot of documentaries about it, but you, we don't learn about this in our history books. Nope. We don't learn about it in school. Um, this is the first time I've ever seen it realized in film outside of a documentary. The way they executed it was amazing. It's heart wrenching, but it was amazing. Everybody look up Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921. Yeah, so it, it. Long story short, it's something that actually did happen in real life. So, like I mentioned um, a little earlier within this podcast, that Watchmen does, it's uh, sitting on an altered reality. So, lots some some of the things that they u- utilize is stuff that actually really did happen. And in this case, uh, the series takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So, the Tulsa race riots kind of opens the show. So basically right out the gate, they're not playing any games. Not at all. And kudos again to Damon Lindelof and his team, because the way they executed that was just amazing. Uh, so after that, and when, like I said, we watched the whole episode. The When Dre's feeling a, a show from one episode, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sold. Right. I will continue watching. That's a big deal. I'm the one who gets hyped off of stuff and then I have to sit on it and think about it later. But when Dre is a critic, boy, I'm telling you. <laughs> so next, um, and one of the last panels we saw was a late night panel. Uh, and it was a documentary done by Screen Junkies. Yeah, right. I think so. Yes. And Screen Junkies, uh, if you're not familiar with the name, they're the people who do Honest Trailers. So you've definitely stumbled on Honest Trailers on YouTube. If you haven't, just do Honest Trailers, whatever movie you could think of. They've probably done an Honest Trailer about it. Uh, anyway, this is their first feature length film. And it was a documentary on the movie Galaxy Quest starring yes. Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, uh, a whole slew cast of uh, <laughs> cast of folk. Even Sam Rockwell was one of his first films, right? Yep, Sam yeah, Sam Rockwell, a homie with the uh, young dude. <laughs> yeah, chill um, comedian. He's he's in a wheelchair now. He's on. He's currently been. He's been on the these last two seasons of Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, chill, chill Mitchell. Yes, Chill Mitchell was in there. Uh yeah, this is before his accident, but uh, you know, good to see him still active. Tony Shaloub. Tony Shaloub is in it. Is the first thing that Rain Johnson Rain not Johnson. Rain Dwight from the office. Rain, Rain Wilson. Wilson. Yes. The first thing he was ever in, period. Uh he was in it. Uh a few people. Oh, um Young Justin Long. Young Justin Long was in it. Uh they joke about how oh, my man hasn't aged since the movie. This is the what, 20th anniversary? Or 15th. Uh, yeah, Galaxy Quest came out. The original Galaxy Quest, Quest movie came out in 
And okay, so yeah, the 20th anniversary of Galaxy Quest was a really, really, really well put together documentary. Uh, they talk about the fandom behind it is uh, cult status, uh, the trials and tribulations they had to go through putting it together, making uh, Tim Allen a leading action star because that was his first real action movie. Yeah, he had to say he had a personal trainer who, who he eventually married. Right, his current wife is was his personal trainer on that movie. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really dope documentary. It has all the chung in uh, chung, Jesus, uh, tongue and cheekiness of um, the honest trailers that you see on television, not television on YouTube. Um, but it was a really dope, really, really dope uh, documentary. So when that drops, y'all should check it out. Yeah, especially if you are any slight fan of Galaxy Quest. And if you have not seen Galaxy Quest, Check it out. Check it out. It's worth it, especially if you for any of you Trekkies out there. It's yes. really, really awesomely done homage to the whole Trekkie universe. Right. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with the movie Galaxy Quest, it's basically about a cast of characters. So basically, it's, it's very, very, the movie itself is meta, as they say. So it's a cast of characters on a spacefaring TV show similar to Star, Star Trek. Trek. Right. So they have the captain, they have a crew, they got uh, various aliens and the TV show is super popular and then it gets canceled. And then there's a race of aliens who have been receiving the broadcasts of the show and took them on as actual real life space missions. So they kidnap (laughs) the actors of the Galaxy Quest show Show, within the Galaxy Quest movie, thinking that they're real uh a real space crew to help them with their alien space problems. So comedy ensues. Right. And it's like, it's really, it's a love letter to fans. Uh, One thing that they talked about in the documentary a lot was just up until that point, most movies, television shows, like if you think of comic guy on both of the comic guys, comic guy on uh, the Simpsons and comic guy on family guy, uh, these are people, you know, who they usually use to make fun of the fandoms and fans. But this was a one of the first movies that really like showed love to fandoms in general. And one thing that they kept saying in uh, the documentary, which was cool, is that evidently a lot of Star Trek fans considered this the second best Star Trek movie. Well, they actually in the panel for the documentary, they actually had um one one of the I think it was one of the producers of the documentary, his wife. Mm-hmm. She was debating that Galaxy Quest is the best, the Star best, Trek, the best Star Trek movie. So that turned into a whole on mic <laughs> argument, right? With her own husband who was swearing by Wrath of Khan, and she was swearing by Galaxy Quest. It was it was pretty. It was a good time, right? But Wrath of Khan is just up there. That's like the that's that's the or to most people, the, I would say a good eighty to ninety percent. Star Trek fans will tell you Wrath of Khan is was the hottest thing smoking. And wasn't that based off of I think the movie Wrath of Khan was based off of like one episode of the show or something like that. Uh the whole backstory on Wrath of Khan I'm not 100% familiar with. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big Trekkie. I've watched them mm-hmm. and I do yeah, check in on it from time to time, but like the ins and outs, I'm like, eh, exactly. other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, I always enjoy the movies. I'm not even talking about these newer ones, these J.J. Abram-directed ones. I'm talking about back in the day. Um, the movies I, I watched, but I could never sit through the show. My godmother used to make me sit and watch them, and I didn't know what was going on. But, but 
Uh, yeah, Wrath of Khan is one of those movies that's just up there in fandoms fandom. You know what I mean? Um, so for, for people who are big Star Trek fans and you know you know a Trekkie, you, everybody knows a Trekkie. Absolutely. Um, that's a major accolade to say that Galaxy Quest is the first or second best Star Trek movie when it has nothing to do with Star Trek directly. Right. Uh, even and a, a funny tidbit is the evidently the ship in Galaxy Quest starts with the letters N T E. Yeah, and the reason the the writers or whoever the set designers uh, named it the N T E, whatever the numbers are, was they were so scared of Paramount getting sued, <laughs> suing them. <laughs> Uh, that, you know, when they were designing the ships and everything and all of that, they were so scared of Paramount, the people who own Star Trek, uh, suing them that they named it the NTE to me, not the Enterprise. So that was a little Easter egg. <laughs> if you if you know about Galaxy Quest that uh, so he said if, if, you know, they were ever taken to the court of law. And uh, somebody thought up that the ship looked like a Star Trek ship, that they would instantly be like, nope, NTE, not the Enterprise. It's written right there. Look at it. It's not the Enterprise. (laughs) We wrote it on there. Right, right, right. (laughs) So that was, was, yeah, that was one of the other cool panels. And I mean, we went to a few other panels, but those were the ones that really uh, stuck out. There are so many panels at Comic-Con in general that you can't ever make it to all of them, so you try to make it to the hottest ones or the ones that are like, you know. The ones you want to do. Right. Comic-Con forces you to prioritize a lot of things. Uh, which panel do you want to go to? Who do you want to see more? When to use the bathroom? <laughs> and when to eat? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of the panels, I mean, there was just plenty of shenanigans that we saw. So, like, another crazy shenanigan that we saw were... There was dancing. They had a DJ. Yes. So there, for some reason, Chevrolet has been at Comic-Con like the last few years. Yes. And with various Chevrolet vehicles for everything from Corvettes to Camaro, sometimes with uh, superhero themed paint jobs mm-hmm. and all sorts of other things. So one of so like the last couple of years, they've been having a DJ next to. Uh, one of the escalators that leads <laughs> that's that it's like an escalator that goes to the queue hall, which is where you queue up to get into your main hall panels mm-hmm. and the other, the other escalator that leads up to the show floor, which is where you get all find all the booths and you know the, the comic sales people and the figurines and everything else. So there's like right. a mid mezzanine kind of level. Right. It's not really the main lobby, but it's lobby ish. Yeah. Think of it like that. <laughs> With thousands of people. So the past I say three or four years. Mm-hmm. They've they've had a DJ at that at the booth that they they've been sticking there, and it had it has broken out without fail <laughs> at some point Saturday. Lots of nerds in their various cosplay costumes <laughs> will gather and get into a whole big giant dance off, and it is awesome. Yeah. So who are some <laughs> of the people? Uh, not the big crew that we about to mention, but uh, Macho Man, remember? <laughs> Macho Man strolled in a little late. So it started off yeah. with a T-Rex, one of those uh, inflated T-Rex yes. costumes. And the T-Rex was killing it. Mm-hmm. The T-Rex was battling uh, Raphael from Ninja Turtles. And but Steampunk, was it? It was Steampunk. Spider-Man uh, Mario? It was Steampunk Spider-Man. 
Hey, but he had a Mario hat on too. Yeah, but it was, it was a steampunk hat. It looked like yeah. Mario's hat. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. So steampunk, steampunk Spider Man, Spider Man battling uh, inflated T Rex <laughs> and Raphael with a leather team. with a leather vest on. For some yes. reason, Raphael had a yes. leather vest on and jorts, but he had a damn good mask on <laughs> and he was dancing his ass off. So right. you know, you know, everyone was sweating, but they were committed. Right. So <laughs> they're doing their thing. Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. An inflatable Oogie Boogie similar to like the inflated T-Rex. He comes out and he just starts flopping on the ground, <laughs> rolling around from side to doing side. worm. And then Macho Man shows up. Right. Yeah, Macho Man. <laughs> he does his Macho Man thing. Macho Man does not dance. <laughs> Macho Man came out uh, and he just posed and flexed his muscles. And with... Out of, then he left. Then he left. And they came back. With Slim Jims. With Slim Jims. <laughs> A handful of Slim Jims. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Snap it to a Slim Jim. Snap it to a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Right. But then it didn't end there. It did not. Then if you, again, this, and this is like just across the board, a Comic-Con staple. Not only New York, just Comic-Con everywhere. It always seems to be the Deadpool army. Yes. And it's not just Deadpool. It's Deadpool. It's Gwenpool, who's a new ca- newer character in the comics. Yes. We had Pool Dog. What was the dog? What he, 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 the dog? He, he had a sign on him, so that said Dead Pooch. Dead Pooch. Yep. So Dead Pooch, which is a Deadpool dog. We have. Oh, I mean, you had Deadpool in pajamas. Deadpool. Mixed with other characters, it was just—I mean, at least Deadpool mashups of all types of mashups, and, and yeah, Deadpool Pope. Right, that's that's the favorite. That's always a crowd favorite. He's he's been there a few years too. Pope Pool, that's what I call him. <laughs> Pope Pool comes through. He's blessing folk and everything. <laughs> all while people are dance battling, and the music during all this does not stop. Right at all. So this is right. The background is. <laughs> Hip hop. <laughs> oh my God. Shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. Sidebar on the, and I tweeted this one too, and I'll, I'll repost the picture. I posted it on my IG. Um, I passed Robert Layfield uh, walking around the floor. I got a pound. He retweeted me, so I'm a boss for that. I'm awesome. Yeah, um, Robert Layfield is the creator of Deadpool, Cable, yeah. X Force. He helped create. He was a co-creator of X Force. And did he did he create Domino? I think maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. And he's the guy um, who did we talk about? I feel like we talked about him earlier. He went and did Image Comics. Um, you said something about Image Comics earlier, didn't you? Uh, Leafield he branched off to Image Comics with Todd and uh, a couple other artists. Todd McFarlane, who's the founder of uh, Spawn, the creative Spawn. They um, were the ones who gave uh, Robert Kirkman his deal. Uh, so Walking Dead and all of that image comics is a big deal. But yeah, so I met Rob um, and it was really cool. You know, a lot of people, I know people who hardcore fans know who he is. I've been following him for years. Uh, so I just saw him. I was like, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. Da, da, da. Gave me a pound. He's like, oh, cool. Thanks. And, you know, I just kept walking. But these are the type of things, interactions. So as New Yorkers, anyway, you see celebrities all the time. You know, you don't fan out for real. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of New York. Celebrities can be there or like across the table or even across the 
train car for me. Be like, hey, it's such and such. And then everyone shrugs and goes back to their conversation. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> and it's the same for Comic-Con. Um, the only celebrity, I think, in the years we've gone who have had, like, ample security and you got to get the hell out of the way when they walk through with Stanley. Yeah, because he gets mobbed and right. he's old and they don't want him to break. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> Stanley, you know, you got the, he's precious cargo right there. So, you had to keep up with Stan Lee, but that's the only year out of, I mean, even Pharrell one year, we saw him walking around. He yeah, was just he had, with his boy. No, he had, he had security. He had security? Yeah, but no one paid him any mind. Yeah. No one cared. Mm-mm. And um, I rolled up and talked to um, Seth Green one year. So yeah, you, that's just that's just the norm. So outside of that, our celebrity sightings, uh, I mean, they were just like other like little, what's some craziness that happens at Comic-Con? Oh, when we're at the, um, <laughs> the food court. Um, the trucks. Oh, by the food trucks. Yes. Yes. They have a line of food trucks. And so we were, it was late Saturday night. We're going, we're actually on the way to the Galaxy Quest documentary panel. I think the name documentary is Never Surrender. Yes. Uh, so the Never Surrender documentary. And one of the workers for the Javits Center, he has um, a hand cart, <laughs> a pretty lengthy hand cart, and it's all stacked with these metal trays from the food court. So I guess they were cleaning them or he was taking them to get cleaned or something like that. And he accidentally bumps the curb with the cart and the, <laughs> pretty much more than half of the trays spill out into the parking lot. And not even five seconds go by. <laughs> In Comic-Con fashion. In Comic-Con fashion. That one of the costume folks looks at the guy about to pick up the trays, turns around to everyone standing by the food trucks and screams, Superheroes! (laughs) Let's go! (laughs) And a good mob of like nine or ten costumed folks in their various (laughs) stages of dress and... Makeup and masks are all picking up the trays and help this helps this dude out in like record time. <laughs> and it was like one of the funniest, most beautiful, truest Comic-Con moments. Because one of the things that is great about Comic-Con, regardless of what your fandom is, it's OK. Yeah. And how much you love it, that's OK, too. And right. However you show it, that's OK. Whether, right. you wear, whether you're wearing the Party City costumes or uh, the hardcore stuff, anything in between. It's 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 all good. It's every community feel with a large group of people, whatever how many thousands of folks are around you. Word. And it's all good and everyone's there to have a good time and love what they love and enjoy what they enjoy and have no shame in it. Word. And I saw I saw an article recently and it was kinda like, you know, giving props to Comic Con uh, for the fact that it's so inclusive. I mean, you know, you have people Oh, I have to post some of these. Now I'm thinking about it. You have people with like disabilities and whatnot. And yeah. matter of fact, I posted on my IG again the other day. Um, there's this uh, there's this IG handle called Subway Creatures, and they show just a whole bunch of subway stuff. So they had New York Comic Con edition people who are in their costumes riding the subway. So they had Swamp Thing, some dude just a Swamp Thing, uh, this dude who was a pixelated side-scrolling characters sitting down chilling. But one that uh, really stood out to me was, again, talking about disabilities, it was a guy and his girlfriend. Uh, She was in a wheelchair. She's in a cage, right? And he's dressed up as a shark. Mm-hmm. So and she's in scuba gear. So mind you, she's on the New York City MTA train station with a bunch of other nerds and everybody is just, you know, 
if you if it's one of those things if you know you know you know and if you're down you're down but it's just so cool to see that the the inclusiveness uh between just body types disabilities race gender old young old oh man old and young who's the older guy we saw um oh my god just like dang I can't even think of it. I can't even think of it. We got older folks dressed like anything. Anything, right. Anything the younger folk, anything you could do, I could do better. Doesn't matter. Right. Uh, So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, to round it out, just, you know, if you get a chance to go to any of these kind of conventions, we're talking about New York Comic Con in particular, but... Uh, if you have any of these kind of conventions, I know uh, I went to college in Atlanta. I used to go to Dragon Con. Dragon Con is the same vibe, really pop culture. They have a lot, maybe with the vendors, you might see more fantasy elements, but overall the panels are pop culture, comic, television related, uh, same thing, same type of vibe. Check it out, you know, check it out. Don't only be on it like, hey, you know, oh, that's nerd stuff. Da 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 da. Nah, yeah. <laughs> hey, come see how the nerds live, cause nerds are pretty fucking cool. And even even if like if you just also like if you just look at the panels, cause some people also ask me like, oh, you know, you just walk around staring at comic books all day. It's like, no, no. there's music, uh, there's shows, there's networking, industry, there's networking, there's industry panels that you know you get a lot of inside information on a lot of things, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of informative. Even the folks that are just trying to get started with whatever uh, businesses that you may be into, yeah. entertainment-wise, yeah. or web work, or anything like that, it, there's, there's something for everybody. Everybody. So go check it out. Uh, we we love the fact that you stuck with us for hour and six minutes with this year podcast. Uh, I'm Robert E. Holly. You can find me at Rob at the word at. So it's R-O-B-A-T, Grave Shift. You can find me on Twitter and on the IG, uh, Rob at Grave Shift. And you can find me on Twitter, Dre, D-R-E, at, also spelled out, A-T, Grave Shift, right on the Twitter handle. Hit me up. Hope to see you. Peace.